In that day, the Lord with his sore and great and strong sword shall punish Leviathan, the piercing serpent, even Leviathan, that crooked serpent, and he shall slay the dragon that is in the sea. Shalom Alchem, peace be upon you, and welcome back to the broadcast. I'm Sean, your host. Today we are resuming or looking at this week's Torah, I keep wanting to say Torah portion, this week's prophet portion, uh, which is Isaiah chapter 27, verse 6 through 28, verse 13. Um, and it also throws in chapter uh, verses 22 and 23 from chapter 29. Uh, so that's what we're looking at today. Now, rather than just start with verse 6, I'm just going to start with verse 1, uh, because I just like to get the whole context of the chapter in. I'm also going to read a little bit from Revelation chapter 12, uh, a little bit from Zechariah, a little bit from 1 Thessalonians, uh, just because I like to uh, kind of attach some of those things that stick out to me uh, that seem to jump out, and uh, we'll be... Actually, we'll be looking at Revelation chapter 12, like right off the bat, and you'll see why here in a second. Uh, but that is what is uh, on the docket for today. Thank you for joining me. Thank you for your prayers. Uh, thank you for your financial support. Uh, everything that comes through to help make this possible and, and your blessings to me are far beyond what I deserve. And I'm just very, very grateful for all of you. And uh, so thank you for tuning in this morning. All right, let's look at this week's prophet portion. Uh, we're going to start Isaiah chapter 27 through chapter 28, verse 13. It's actually not very long, uh, but we're going to lengthen it by adding in some of our other reads for today that I uh, decided we should do. So without further delay, let's dig right in. We'll be reading from the King James Bible. Isaiah chapter 27, verse 1. In that day, the Lord with his sore and great and strong sword shall punish Leviathan, the piercing serpent, even Leviathan, the crooked serpent, and he shall slay the dragon that is in the sea. Now, right off the first, right off the bat, now what I should have done, and I didn't do this, is I should have pulled up all the scriptures that, that talk about Leviathan too. But what's jumping out to me is actually when Revelation 12 talks about the, the great serpent, the great um, dragon. And uh, it, let me just read this again. Ver the very first verse. In that day, the Lord, with his sore and great and strong sword, shall punish Leviathan, the piercing serpent. Even Leviathan, that crooked serpent, he shall slay the dragon that is in the sea. Now, just a couple things. Leviathan typically refers to some monster, like some sea monster, uh, when the Bible uses it. Um, it's actually in the Bible six times. Uh, also, you know, many believe that figuratively, the constellation of the dragon is also the, is symbolic for Babylon. I just think all that fits together. I think we're talking about the same time frame. As in that day... God's going to punish Leviathan 
and it's I think it's talking about Babylon. I think it's talking about um, the great serpent, the great dragon, Satan. I think it's talking about all of that. It's referring to that time frame. I just want to read from Revelation chapter 12, if I might do that. I'm going to start with verse 3. I'm just going to read through 17 verses here, just because I think it kind of fits. And I realize that we've only covered the first verse of our Torah study for today, or our prophet's portion study for today, but this was just jumping out to me. So let's let's think about this. Can I, If I can, can I just read verse 1 one more time and then read Revelation here real quick? In that day the Lord, with his sore and great and strong sword, shall punish Leviathan, the piercing serpent, even Leviathan, that crooked serpent, and he shall slay the dragon that is in the sea. Revelation 12, I'm going to start with verse 3. And there appeared another wonder in heaven. And behold, a great red dragon, having seven heads and ten horns and seven crowns upon his head. And his tail drew a third part of the stars of heaven, and did cast them into the earth. And the dragon stood before the woman which was ready to be delivered, for to devour her child as soon as it was born. And she brought forth a man-child, who was to rule all nations with a rod of iron. And her child was caught up unto God and to his throne. And the women fled into the wilderness, where she hath a place prepared of God, that they should feed her there a thousand two hundred and threescore days. And it was war in heaven. Michael and his angels fought against the dragon, and the dragon fought and his angels, and prevailed not, neither was there a place found any more in heaven. And the great dragon was cast out, the old serpent called the devil, and Satan, which deceiveth the whole world, he was cast out into the earth, and his angels were cast out with him. So verse 9 explains who the dragon is, makes it clear. You will not be confused about this. (laughs) It's basically what the Bible is saying. The great dragon was cast out, who's also the old serpent, is also called the devil and Satan. So should be very clear who we're talking about here. Which deceiveth the whole world, he was cast out into his earth, into the earth, and his angels were cast out with him. And I heard a loud voice saying in heaven, Now is come salvation and strength and the kingdom of our God and the power of his Christ. For the accuser of our brethren is cast down, which accused them before our God day and night. And they overcame him by the blood of the Lamb and the word of their testimony. And they loved not their lives unto the death. Therefore rejoice, ye heavens, and ye that dwell in them. Woe to the inhabitants of the earth and of the sea, for the devil has come down unto you, having great wrath, because he knoweth that he hath but a short time. And when the dragon saw that he was cast into the earth, he persecuted the woman which was brought forth, which brought forth the man-child. And to the woman were given two wings of a great eagle that she might fly into the wilderness, into her place where she is nourished for a time, times, and half a time from the face of the serpent. And the serpent cast out of his mouth water as a flood after the woman that he might cause her to be carried away of the flood. And the earth helped the woman, and the earth opened her mouth and swallowed up the flood which the dragon cast out of his mouth. And the dragon was wroth with the woman, and he went to make war with her with the remnant of her seed which keep the commandments of God and have the testimony of Jesus Christ. And so that's Revelation chapter 12. 
uh, one of the verses I talk often about is that very last verse. It says the dragon was wroth with the woman and he went to make war with the remnant of her seed. It makes it very clear who the remnant is. Are you ready? Here's the remnant. It's twofold. You have to have both of these things to be part of the remnant. He went to make war with the remnant of her seed, which keep the commandments of God and have the testimony of Jesus Christ. So if you're out there, you're obeying the commandments, but you not you deny Jesus Christ is the Savior, is the Messiah. If you deny Yeshua, you're not part of the remnant. If you say that Jesus is Lord and yet you obey him not, you obey the commandments not, well, you're not part of the remnant. I mean, it's very, very clear. I don't make the rules here, friends. This is what the scripture's talking about. The remnant keep the commandments of God and have the testimony of Jesus Christ. Actions matter. Actions matter. All right. Let's see if we can get further than one verse in our study for today. Now I'm actually going to read our prophet's portion. I'm just going to start over with verse 1 again. In that day, the Lord with his sore and great and strong sword shall punish Leviathan, the piercing serpent, even Leviathan, that crooked serpent, and he shall slay the dragon that is in the sea. And in that day sing ye unto her a vineyard of red wine. I, the Lord, do keep it. I will water it every moment, lest any hurt it. I will keep it night and day. Fury is not in me. Who would set the briars and the thorns against me in battle? I would go through them. I would burn them together. Or let him take hold of my strength, that he may make peace with me. And he shall make peace with me. He shall cause them that come of Jacob to take root. Israel shall blossom and blood and bud and fill the face of the world with fruit. Hath he smitten him? Has he smote those that smote him? Or is he slain according to the slaughter of them that are slain by him? And measure when it shooteth forth, thou wilt debate with it. He stayeth with his rough wind in the day of the east wind. By this therefore shall the iniquity of Jacob be purged. And all this, and this is all the fruit to take away his sin, when he marketh all the stones of the altar, and chalk stones that are beaten to sunder. The grooves and the images shall not stand up. Yet the defended city shall be desolate, and the habitation forsaken, and left like the wilderness. There shall be the calf feed, and there shall be there shall he there shall he lie down and consume the branches thereof. When the bows thereof are withered, they shall be broken off. The women come and set them on fire, for it is a people of no understanding. Therefore he that hath made them will not have mercy on them, and he that formed them will show them no favor. And it shall come to pass in that day that the Lord shall beat off from the channel of the river unto the stream of Egypt, and he shall be gathered one by one, O ye children of Israel. And it shall come to pass in that day that the great trumpet shall be blown. And they shall come which are ready to perish in the land of Assyria and the outcasts in the land of Egypt, and shall worship the Lord in the holy mountain, in the holy mount at Jerusalem. 
Now, of course, anytime we see that, see that kind of language used, that's used here at the very end of chapter 27, and it shall come to pass in that day that the, that the great trumpet, not a great trumpet, the great trumpet shall be blown. And they shall come which are ready to perish in the land of Assyria and the outcast in the land of Egypt and shall worship the Lord in the holy mount in Jerusalem. There's a passage in Zechariah that's very, very similar to this. Let's go look at it. Zechariah chapter 9, verse 13 through 16, which says, When I have bent Judah for me, filled the bow with Ephraim, and raised up my sons, O Zion, against thy sons, O Greece, and made thee as a sword of mighty men. And the Lord shall be seen over them, and his arrow shall go forth as the lightning. And the Lord God shall blow the trumpet and shall go with whirlwinds of the south. The Lord of hosts shall defend them, and they shall devour and subdue with sling stones, and shall drink and make noises through wine, and they shall be filled like bowls and as the corners of the altar. And the Lord their God shall save them in that day as the flock of his people, for they shall be as the stones of a crown, lifted up as an assign upon his land. And of course, we're all familiar with 1 Thessalonians 4.16, For the Lord shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, and with the trump of God, and the dead in Christ shall rise first. All right, we still have a few more verses here to read for our prophet's portion this morning. Uh, We're going to continue on with, with chapter 28 and read those 13 verses which kind of explains a little bit why I jump around so much in the Bible when I'm doing my study here. Um, I think uh, uh, chapter 28 here kind of brings that home. So let's look at that. Chapter 28, the book of Isaiah, first 13 verses here. Woe to the crown of pride, to the drunkards of Ephraim, whose glorious beauty is a fading flower which are on the head of the fat valleys of them that are overcome with wine. Behold, the Lord hath a mighty and strong one, which has a tempest of hail and a destroying storm, as a flood of mighty waters overflowing shall cast down to the earth with the hand. The crown of pride and the drunkards of Ephraim shall be trodden under feet, and the glorious beauty which is on the head of the fat valley shall be shall be a fading flower, and as the hasty fruit before the summer, which when he that looketh upon it seeth it, while it is yet in his hand, he eateth it up. In that day shall the Lord of hosts be for a crown of glory, and for a diadem of beauty unto the residue of his people, and for the spirit of judgment to him that sitteth in judgment, and for the strength of them that turn the battle to the gate." But they also have erred through wine, and through strong drink are out of the way. The priest and the prophet have erred through strong drink. They are swallowed up of wine. They are out of the way through strong drink. They err in vision. They stumble in judgment. For all the tables are full of vomit and filthiness, so that there is no place clean. Whom shall he teach knowledge, and whom shall he make to understand doctrine? them that are weaned from the milk and drawn from the breast. For precept must be upon precept, 
precept upon precept, line upon line, line upon line, here a little and there a little. For with stammering lips and another tongue will he speak to this people, to whom he said, This is the rest wherewith ye may cause to be weary to rest. And this is refreshing, yet they would not hear. But the word of the Lord is upon them precept upon precept, precept upon precept, line upon line, line upon line, here a little and there a little, that they might also go and fall backward and be broken and snared and taken. And that is the 13 verses and 28 that we were supposed to read. A couple things to point out. The obvious, what I was talking about, was the line upon line, precept upon precept, here a little, there a little. You know, the knowledge, it all comes from bits and pieces, right? From here and from there, all throughout the scripture. And I think it's with God's people as well. He reveals some things to some and some to others. It's here a little, it's there a little. It requires a coming together of God's people to piece these things together. Same with the word. You want wisdom? You're going to have to dig for it. You're going to have to search for it. You want to understand the scriptures? You're going to have to look here a little, look there a little, line upon line, line upon line, precept upon precept. That's how you get to the right doctrine. That's how you get to the right understanding. If you haven't listened to my study in the book of Revelation, one of the things that, and this has been several years and it really deserves a new new view, a new study, but I haven't had time to get to that. But one of the things I did is I, every time there was symbolism is I would go to the Old Testament and show you where that symbolism comes from, where it was seen first, which often it made it very clear what the symbolism meant. That's the way I think the Bible is meant to be studied. Also, it, it talks about these uh, teachers, these prophets who are basically drunk, and they're error, they err in doctrine. Their tables are full of vomit and filthiness. And then it's like, who can teach, right? Who can teach? You have a bunch of people teaching who are still drinking milk themselves, right? Verse 9 says, whom shall he teach knowledge? And whom shall he make to understand doctrine? Them that are weaned from the milk and drawn from the breast. You see, they haven't even, they're not even able to eat meat themselves. They're like drunk on wine. Here's what Matthew Henry's little commentary says about this. And uh, I just thought it was just well said. He says, Happy are those who glory in the Lord of hosts himself. Hence his people get wisdom and strength for every service and every conflict. But it is only in Christ Jesus that the holy communications with sinful men. And whether those that teach are drunk with wine or intoxicated with false doctrines, the notions concerning the kingdom and salvation of Messiah, they not only err themselves, but they lead multitudes astray. All places where such persons have taught are filled with errors. How many churches are led by someone who's in complete and utter error, intoxicated with false doctrines concerning the kingdom and the salvation of Messiah? And they not only err themselves, right? But everybody who's in the congregation, everybody who listens to them is led astray. 
We have that issue with YouTube as well. A lot of YouTube prophets, you know, a lot of people calling themselves rabbi, calling themselves pastor, calling themselves prophet. They have, they're filled with false doctrines. They've complicated the gospel. They've made it difficult. Um, and they lead the multitudes astray. I pray in the powerful name of Jesus that die that I would not fall into that category. I may not have it all together, but what I try to do is let the scriptures speak mostly for themselves, lest my flesh get involved, right? Lest my pride get involved. That is just a prayer I pray over this podcast, that it would just be a piercing of hearts, that it would cause people to dig for the truth that it would cause people to draw near to God that's why I don't want to be called pastor I'm not interested in that God hasn't called me to that the seeker <laughs> that's what I want to be called seeking truth right well we have just three more verses today we have to go to chapter 29 the portion calls for us to read 22 and 23. So let's do that, and then we'll wrap it up for today. Isaiah 29, chapter or verse 23, 22 and 23. This is what it says. Therefore thus saith the Lord, who redeemed Abraham concerning the house of Jacob, Jacob shall not be ashamed, neither shall his face now wax pale. But when he seeth his children the work of mine hands in the midst of him they shall sanctify my name and sanctify the holy one of Jacob and shall fear the God of Israel that is our study this morning out of the prophet's portion I pray you've been blessed this morning I pray your hearts have been pierced I pray that you've developed a great hunger for the word of God for the kingdom of God for the presence of God that is my prayer for all of you this morning. Thank you for listening. Please consider supporting this work if you don't already. Consider becoming a monthly Patreon subscriber. There's also PayPal options and snail mail options. All of it can be found at www.scriptureandprophecy.com along with the archives and links to the devotion, End Times devotional book. Everything is there. That's kind of the hub there at the website. Peace and grace be with all of you. Until next time, God bless.